A scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. It's August 7th, 2009. I'm Mike Benedetti. This is Brendan Mellican. Good morning. <laughs> and, How are you? And this is 508, a show about Worcester. I have no idea what kind of animal that was. It just flew by. Probably, I'm going to guess bird. Some gargoyle or something. Um, I want to say hello to everyone watching us on cable. Hello to everyone watching us on the computer or on the MP3 player. Um, we are on all of these media now. Um, it is science. Uh, <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> it's about three months till the uh, citywide elections. And so it's and it's uh, now August, so we can break our stricture that we've had this year against talking too much about the uh, election races. And now we're going to start talking too much about the election races. Today is going to be sort of Worcester Elections 101. We're going to talk about what we know, what you need to know, what we don't know, and then we'll spend the next three months hopefully learning about this stuff. If you're a challenger in one of these races, there's almost enough weeks that we could have one challenger on every week. If you're a challenger in one of these races, we would love to have you on the podcast, and we'll be doing outreach to try to get as many of those challengers as we can. Hey, even if you're an incumbent, I mean, feel free to get in touch too. It's probably can squeeze some of you in as well, and who knows, maybe you actually have something interesting to say. There you go. Um, Brandon, what do, what, do people, what, what do people need to know basically about city council and school committee? I'm thinking the, main, the first thing to know about politics in Worcester is the fact of the city manager. Well, yeah, I mean, well, the most important thing to know about the race is that someone stole my Tracy Novick for school committee sign this morning or last night. Um, beyond that, uh, and they stole all of the ones on the street that we can tell. It does look as though Olean Street was completely clear, cleaned out of uh, Novik signs. And you're going to say, based on your dog's behavior, about 11 o'clock at night? 11 o'clock last night, yeah. I mean, it could have been Tracy just bringing them home to clean them or something. I don't know if she was going to polish them off. But I'm going to guess that they were actually stolen, which uh, I think that would be the, the first year's um, big event of, uh, of, of sign theft. I never, I never think of people being that passionate about school committee. <laughs> yeah, that's, this would be, I think, a first for a school committee sign getting uh, stolen. Typically, mine just, my signs just get kicked in uh, for no apparent reason, not because they dislike the name on the sign. They just there's something to kick. So mm-hmm. people, this was actually my third sign so far this year. Um, in terms of the race in general, I mean, the, the biggest thing this year is that we don't have a primary. Um, you know, if I think we would have needed one more person for city council running at large to have a primary force. And that's going to leave us with a kind of interesting situation where there is no room for any of the people running for mayor to be knocked out of that race and maybe thinned down, you know, that that, that, that particular herd. Uh, you know, one of the things that has been thrown around quite a bit is the idea that Connie Lukes has her base, and it's a very strong base that hasn't really budged in the, however many years that she's been on the council. And now you've got three people running against her for, for that mayor seat. And uh, in theory, at least if, based on past experiences, you've got that many people running against one candidate. They're really just kind of eating their own lunch, right? It's, right. They're, they're going to dice up with the, the remaining vote, which doesn't bode well for any of the competitors. At least in the case of a primary, there would be uh, some potential for one of those people to get knocked out of the race uh, prior to the, um, the end, end run and maybe solidify things a little bit in terms of votes. Um, Beyond that, though, I mean, it doesn't really seem. Although there is there, there's an actual race, and you know, there's actual an actual election, doesn't seem like a lot of interesting stuff coming out just yet. I was hoping that we would have more um, positions and issues coming out of the the people actually running for office at this point than we seem to have in front of us. Uh, it seems like people are still kind of coasting just a little bit. Yeah, and on the on this show, I'd like to talk a little bit about the sort of the sort of drama and game behind the game, just enough to give. Uh, 
members of our community context to know like what kinds of stunts they should be dismissing, but just to help people focus on the issues. It would be great if we could focus on the It would be great if there were issues. Worcester's a tough city to have an issues-driven campaign. I mean, I've, I've sat you know, on organi- organizing committees for campaigns in the past, and it almost seems as though people go out of their way to find issues. You know, they, they want to focus on the more provincial ideas that just bring in voters, you know, the, the traditional streets and sidewalks sort of campaigns. And, and this year actually isn't a terrible year to have a streets, streets and sidewalks campaign since ours are actually falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are still obviously bigger problems uh, in play. Pretty much any, any interest group in the city could, could identify a number of problems that they're dealing with right now, that uh, many of which are the result of uh, budget shortfalls. Uh, and that's not going to get any easier. So hopefully, the, especially the new people coming in, have some fresh ideas um, that are going to help us work through those issues, which are probably not going to get any easier anytime soon. Um, but yeah, no, it doesn't seem as though anybody has done a really solid job of identifying what their platforms actually are. There you go. Um, well, let's let's actually look at some publications real quick. We have a couple new publications coming out this week. Uh, what do we have first? Actually, first I want to look at the Telegram and Gazette, surprisingly enough. Uh, here we have... Uh, did you, did you see any of this yesterday's local section? One, one guy I know looked at this and said, this is an actual good, this is what I expect from a newspaper. I read it online. I don't know if I meant it. Yeah. So we, we had this interesting article with people who uh, knew the woman who was killed and her baby stolen. And um, it's good to see the Telegram and Gazette making the effort to sort of bring us into these people's scene. Um, I actually talked to a guy this week who knew, uh, who knew that woman pretty well. And it was interesting talking to him. I mean, it was interesting. I, it was something I hadn't gotten from the TNG, which was like a sense of like, so what was going on with these guys? Um, actually, the most interesting thing about this article is I was looking at this with people who know this guy, and they were all like, oh, that guy's such a dirtbag. <laughs> so, so it was interesting hearing like people I know talk about people they know in the scene. Yeah, you know, not it, not, not scenes themselves, but um, anyway, that, 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 this continues to be a very disturbing story. Though I don't I don't know that we have a lot more comment on that. Did you see this? Cat killed in self defense. Did you see that cat killed in self defense? Well, I, I remember the original story when it came through. When I read this, it, it you know it was just an overview of the the uh, the hearing. Um, of, I think Foley is his last name. Foley, yes. Yeah. The, the photo that they put in the in the print edition isn't nearly as good as the photo. Mm. That they, see, but there was a it was a really mean like, you know, it was it, it was a very very mean face that they they put in for the photo online. I, I suggest people look at the online version to check out the courtroom photo that they, they put on there of, of today's um, or of yesterday. That was I think it was in yesterday's uh, okay yesterday's edition online. Maybe yeah. I can remember to link to that. Um, this guy, I mean, so this guy, apparently, uh, somebody's cat attacked him and his dog, because the cat had just given birth to kittens, and then, according, the article, the, the details in the article are a little confusing. It seems like the guy then came back, and in front of sad children, beat the cat to death with a stick. Now, and so you're kind of like, well, this guy, what is this guy's deal? This guy who is a public safety officer at Holy Cross. Or was they because have no, they have no cat problem at Holy Cross. <laughs> they just, have no. They play a lot of. I don't know how many. I don't, they, enough, I don't know if they allow cats in the dorms. Those cats are very well disciplined at Holy Cross. The, so the amazing thing though is that like this guy, um. So it's hor- So he did a horrible thing, and I'm like a vegan and stuff, so I like can be very judgmental of this. But he, first of all, the woman who owned the cat punched him. He had to get rabies shots from getting scratched by the cat. His wife and him temporarily moved out of their home because of hate mail and calls and whatever, phone calls. And he was on, uh, he was suspended from his job 
for doing for for because of this incident. So there's a lot of like bad karma that came back on this dude from beating this cat to death. I would be curious to compare the amount of hate mail that he received for thwacking the cat, and I'm not in any way justifying hitting cats with sticks. That's clearly an awful thing to do. But I'd like to compare the amount of hate mail that he received for for hitting a cat with a stick and killing it, compared to the woman who was accused of uh, cutting the fetus out of uh, the pregnant lady. And I would like to see the volume of hate mail that went in one direction or the other. Something would, if if I had to guess, I would say that he received he has received more threats in hate mail than the uh, the woman who is accused of, of murdering two people. It could be so. It could be so. The other thing oh, is, person, this so. photo is incredible. Did you see this photo? We'll just freeze this for people for a moment. I love this photo. First of all, I love the photo because it's Baron Burncoat Landscape Tour, and it involves a quote from Connie Lukes where she says, uh, it's desolated. <laughs> Connie Lukes said. And you can tell, it just looks like, you know, I mean, this Today is, today is the day after Hiroshima, the anniversary of the bombing of Hiroshima. And you can tell it's desolated. It totally just looks like, you know, the bombing of Dresden. This is like post-World War II kind of stuff. I, uh, I was at a party a couple weeks ago up in the Burncote area, and it was the first time that I had been up in, into the one of the actual neighborhoods uh, this summer. And it is kind of amazing when you get up there. You just, you, when you start driving up those side roads, you can't help but something is telling your brain that there's something wrong, something something is off. And it took a couple of minutes to realize that it was just the, the utter lack of tree line. There's just, there's just no trees up there anymore. It looks like a, a brand new like housing development in Oklahoma. It's uh, it's actually kind of, it, it's kind of sad. You know, it's it. Obviously, they're doing some some replanting now, and we're all standing around and well, staring I, at the. I, the I love this photo because, especially as a Gary Rosen fanboy, I just love it. it's like Joff Smith is like, eh, I'm wearing a tie. I'm too scared <laughs> to go to that tree. And Connie Lukes is like wearing her sunglasses, like, oh. and Gary Rosen right t-shirt. Right. He's just like, hell yeah, I can plant this tree. I'll kick some dirt down, no problem. They, they look like they could be afraid of you know potential beetle attacks. Like they're inspecting it. <laughs> There is this <laughs> cop back here <laughs> just keeping them beetles. safe. <laughs> any beetle approaches the counselor, he's going to shoot it down. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just thought that was incredible. I just thought that was an incredibly beautiful photo. Telegram, you said, good job. Good job on putting out a good local section yesterday. Um, in City Times, we're eight years old. This is another classic. Like above the fold here. Perfect. Uh, when you open up the whole thing, it's kind of, uh, you're like, oh, okay, it's a bunch of kids. But just this kid here, awesome. Um, I thought uh, a lot of bile in this issue, a lot of Rosalie Torella complaining about David Rushford and people at the Telegram and Gazette. Totally out of character. Rosalie is in a, seems to be in a terrible mood this week. She's in terrible. Billy, Billy Bro, more bile, of course. Um, what I thought was interesting, what, one thing I thought was very interesting is this is the 8th anniversary, so they have a bunch of uh, ads from people saying happy 8th. And every single ad, they have 8 apostrophe TH. Have you yeah. ever seen that? No. What it, language is this that we have 8TH? See, every single one. Where, where do we have another? Happy well, you know, like it's, it's a recession, and some of the editorial staff over at uh, City Times had to be let go earlier this year, so there's no one to catch for uh, mislaid apostrophes. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else in here. Interesting Doug Chapel thing about Stephen. Uh, this is actually a good, a good uh, uh, action geek where Doug Chapel points out that Stephen Buchalter, uh, city council at large challenger, uh, has uh, ads in the urinal at Union Station. Does he really? Yeah, according to Doug, and he's like, "This is brilliant because the guy owns a cleaning company." Yeah, you know, I I, uh, I get invited to a, a kickoff party for uh, Councillor Steve, and I'm gonna I'm only gonna count, call him uh, you know wannabe Councillor Steve because I have for some reason I'm having a terrible time pronouncing his last name. Um, 
and you know when I got invited to the event I instantly went to check out his website thinking you know, the event looked interesting I figured that he's taking like a trolley ride throughout all the, a bunch of bars and, 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 and restaurants in the city it seemed like an interesting way to introduce yourself to to the masses um, but when I went to go check out his website there's still nothing there it's a beautiful website it looks like it's ba it's a WordPress install and it's a really nice template it's you know very patriotic and you know your typical kind of you know election website but there is no information there. It's all just press releases about his cleaning company. He has like an issues tab on the navigation bar, but when you click on issues, it's just a blank. Oh, page. I love it! I love it! I love it! So, I mean, I don't know if he's running on a, a, a campaign. Maybe it's maybe it's like a, he's running a clean campaign. I don't know. I, I don't know what. <laughs> he's got a clean. I'm not sure what he's shooting for. Clean but HTML. There, we need to get some information up there. You should see if it validates. See if that page validates. Yeah. Um, so we got uh, we have a, a long article about the Save Our Pools roadmap by Cha Cha. Um, if you want to read all those details and we've got um uh actually she brings up a, a very interesting thing here that we will come back to later about joe brian and grace ross and uh yeah look at this wcca program schedule we're going to zoom in and see if people can see this 508 <laughs> we're on the, we're, we're, on we're, we're piggybacking the snow ghost show Is we share <laughs> we share a time slot with the snow ghost show any week we're still having a lot of production problems getting getting this show because you have to get a show onto an SVHS tape. And it's harder than you would think to get a show like this onto an SVHS tape. It's much easier to get it onto, you know, uh, uh, a computerized platform where all the people in the world can access it on demand than it is to get it on cable. That's kind of the weirdness of uh, our I situation. Part of that difficulty is even finding an SVHS tape. I mean, we're, it's re we're using recycled tapes. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they're moving to an all-digital thing pretty soon, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, that, uh, well... So be it. We work with what we have. Catholic Radical by my friends at the Catholic Worker. I want to point out a couple interesting articles. Catholic Worker Banking. It's by Scott Schaefer Duffy about the challenge of doing banking if you're an organization which is uh, not of one of the few kinds of organizations sanctioned by the man. And uh, he did different things on this. Justice, Justice for Janitors by Chris Patterson. Really hope to get Chris on the show. I emailed him yesterday sometime soon. He's at SEIU. Service Employees International Union organizer locally. They're doing a Justice for Janitors campaign. Interesting thing, of course, is that, um, and I've only heard this secondhand, not from Chris, but uh, Stephen Buchalter, of course, owns a cleaning company, not, not, not union janitors. He's running for city council. He's basically, I would say, kind of an unknown, I guess, although people say they know his TV ads for the cleaning company. But it's an interesting situation where you sort of got somebody you can kind of put a little judo on and mm -hmm. be like, hey, you, you know what we get a lot of people to vote for you is like, if you were like, you know, happier with unionization, you know, especially in a city like Worcester, where it seems historically uh, candidates have even gone out of their way to spend more than they have to on things like signs and stickers, just so they can go to a union print shop and have the little union printing symbol the placed on, on, yeah, exactly on on the sign itself. Um, you know, especially nowadays, you could hop to any number of you know web-based printing companies and get stickers for probably a tenth of what you'd pay locally for right. uh, printing. Um, supporting local businesses wonderful but you know th there is something to be said for the you know uh, supporting the unions when it comes to an election in this area yeah 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 the, I mean the other the other piece of weird behind-the-scenes drama um, and I guess I should mention as disclosure right off the bat that I'm still uh, helping host the Grace Ross website and will theoretically be working some on the campaign although I haven't done anything yet and I'm um, not blocking out a lot of time at this point um, is that of course uh, you know Grace in the last election um, basically had a drop-off in the percentage of support she had between the preliminary election and the final election, mostly because the controversial positions of the state Green Party in, West, in Massachusetts, of which she's been an important part, 
uh, on issues like Israel and Gaza and issues like Darfur. And that was like the, what happened between the preliminary and the final that basically made it so that Grace Ross is not a city councilor. Um, Joe O'Brien, who's running for city council at large and running for mayor and is a, a staff member for a representative McGovern, his wife, Lisa Weinberg, was of course the, the one pushing the Darfur issue locally. So, actually, and actually, reading my notes on this, it was interesting that from uh, from back in the day that I was talking about how Scott Zoback was like the primary reporter reporting on this stuff. I wouldn't criticize him on this. I think this is a very legitimate issue. Interesting that the Worcester Magazine was willing to talk about this more than the TNG at the time. But anyway, I think that's an interesting. It would be interesting to have them both. I don't. I have no idea if there's like any bad blood there. But that was uh, like, like I said, that's just something. I don't think we're going to focus on it. something to be aware of. If you see any kind of weird Joe Brian Grace Ross dynamics there maybe you can discount some of those because of that history. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. That was quite a big deal locally when, um, I guess it, some, it got some traction outside of the area too when it was, uh, you know, the, the positions of the the, green, the state Green Party were called out on a um, on a statewide level. But. Yeah, we got the Worcester Magazine. I don't know. Is there anything in Worcester Magazine to talk about? How are you, how are you liking the new format? How am I liking the new format? Yeah. I think the new format is just fine. I like the staple. I really like the, the staple. Nice. I think the staples make make a paper. That's a you know a nice it would, touch. It would be hard for me to have this on the ground and be flipping through it without it flying all over the place if it was not stapled together. So good job, Worcester Magazine. It makes it feel more. I substantial. don't know. I have this for some reason. I thought there was something there we we're going to look at. So, but we're not. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about who's running. Um, uh, we have basically twice as many people running for city council as there are spots at large, and all the at-large people are running for re-election. Correct me if I'm wrong at any point here. So basically, we could have a completely new at-large slate of councilors. The people running for the race are challenger Emmanuel Tsitsilanos, incumbent Gary Rosen, Joe O'Brien, incumbent Joe Petty, <laughs> the quiet man. I can't wait to see what he's got for a car. I mean, we talked quite a bit two years ago about the mailings that he had coming out. When you know, it was pictures of him with like a French horn, and it was uh, just the most ridiculous set of mailings I think I've ever seen in a, in a, in a campaign. But All right, we, we did that. We, let me, let me, I just want to run through these. Kate, <laughs> Kate Toomey, incumbent Kate Toomey, who in this in City Times, by the way, um, Rosalie Torelli goes on for a while about how Kate Toomey needs to lose weight. Um, real keeping it classy there. Bad week for Rosalie. I don't. <laughs> it's a it's an angry issue. Uh, Cola Akindele, who I don't know, but friends of mine were contacted by him uh, as he was getting his election campaign together. Connie Lukes, mayor and incumbent. Mary Keefe, who I know. Uh, incumbent Mike Germain. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Germain, because he possibly won last time just because of a weird uh, coincidence of events. Uh, Rick Rushton, incumbent. Stephen Buchalter, we've talked about. And Bill McCarthy. Uh, so, and then we have in District 1, Joe Casello trying to unseat Joff Smith. Twit, Twitterin' Joe Casello, we should call him, trying to unseat Joff Smith. Uh, Mark Trotto trying to unseat Paul Mary in District 2. Frank Bashai, past candidate, trying to uh, unseat Clancy in District 3. Barbara uh, Grace Ross, as we talked about, trying to unseat Barbara Haller in District 4. Um, and Bill Eddy running unopposed for whatever reason, um, we've got eight people running for six seats on the school committee. So if you're running for the school committee, I'm going to frame it this way because people maybe see both of us. Um, if you're running for the school committee, you're probably going to win. <laughs> um, they are Brian O'Connell, 
the, the incumbents are Brian O'Connell, Jack Foley, John Monfredo, Mary Mullaney, Robert Bagogian? No, Bagigian. I don't know anything about the school committee. We need to come up with stage names for uh, people <laughs> running for local office around here. That's... These guys, um, we've got, uh, and then we've got uh, challengers, Rob Diaz, Diana Biancaria. In New England, you have, it could be any way that you pronounce these last names, by the way. We'll figure it out when we have them on the show. And Tracy Novick, our, our friend in, in interest of disclosure, our friend and often appearer on this show. Who is now down a few signs. Who's now, who's had some signs stolen. Um, or else he's taken them away for cleaning. We can clarify this later in the day. Um, here's, here's how people did, uh, nobody can see this. Here's how people did the last time from the preliminary to the final, from between the preliminary and the final election. Um, I'll link to this graphic, so. Have you seen uh, Cola's uh, signs? His, no. His, his yard signs? They're amazing. They, it, so it, Cola Akindele's signs. Yeah, I'm not going for last names anymore. They, um, he, he basically recreated uh, the Coca-Cola label, but using his name in the same, <laughs> same script on a red background. The only problem is... Uh, in, he's, uh, oh, he's going to get sued. It, well, he's, that is one problem. The other problem is that yeah, I don't know you know what's what his general name recognition is and when you see right. the sign it's actually very difficult to read in the same way if you oh. if you had never seen the coca-cola label before you probably wouldn't know what it said it's a, a script it's then. script and who either writes or reads in script anymore um so it, it's 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 both a wonderful sign and a somewhat difficult to read sign they had to make the font very small because of the uh, the length of his last name and it you know there's a lot of red space and it's a uh, should have consulted a graphic designer on that one but a plus for effort. It's the first time I've seen someone do something really creative with a, a political sign here in, in Worcester. That's awesome. Well, we've got about eight minutes left in the show, so let's see if we want to do a sentence or two about each of these guys. This will give us, and this will give us a sense too of who we need to learn more about in sort of what people, what the name recognition is among either very political or somewhat political people in the city, and then what, what, you know who we need to learn more about in the future. So here's who we got. We have uh, running first at large. Emmanuel Tsitsilanos. I am not familiar with him at all. No idea. Gary Rosen. Well, I think we all know Gary. <laughs> the first episode of this podcast was titled Mayor Gary Rosen. <laughs> that tells you all you need to know. Um, Joe, incumbent Joe O'Brien, well, who I guess we've... Yeah, we, I mean, everyone... I think Joe's got a lot more name recognition than he had. Used to be the on last, the school committee? Even when he last ran for school committee, his name recognition has, has gone through the roof due to the associations with uh, both Tim Murray's campaign for lieutenant governor um, and uh, working for Jim McGovern. Connected as connected as you get, uh, Joe Petty, <laughs> the quiet man, incumbent, <laughs> Kate Toomey, who I think we've also said many a good thing about on this show. Yeah, I mean, some of these folks they speak for themselves, absolutely. And she has lost weight, <laughs> as her Facebook friends will know. She has lost weight. Um, uh, Cola Akindele, who we've talked mentioned, uh, Connie Lukes running. <laughs> let's, let's get Connie Lukes. Do we need to say anything about Connie Lukes? I don't know. I don't know. Probably going to win. The, Probably speaks speaks for herself, right? I mean, again, has a huge base and uh, hasn't budged in, in, in years, decades almost at this point. Uh, Mary, Mary Keefe. Do you know, do you know Mary Keefe? I don't think I do. Mary Keefe uh, used to run the Neighborhood Network Center in Piedmont, uh, Piedmont Neighborhood okay. Network Center, before it was, I think it's more or less mothballed at this point because of funding cuts. Um, but so she's a longtime activist in that neighborhood. I don't, maybe she doesn't have citywide name recognition. In that neighborhood, she's well known. Uh, Mike Germain. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mike, uh, like you said, he kind of squeaked in uh, last time. It'll be interesting to see how he plays out, you know, with a larger field this time can around. You, can you recap why he squeaked in in 15 seconds? No, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the reason Mike Germain squeaked in, and correct me if I get the details wrong, he was, 
he was busted for drunk driving. He was like arrested for drunk driving. Somehow, he was like injured in this. It wasn't mm -hmm. definitively proven that he was driving drunk, mm -hmm. if I'm remembering this correctly. And he like, so he's like semi-retired because of an injury and uh, receiving a pension. But like was also like coaching children's hockey or something. Anyway, so Jermaine had this sort of messy, what seemed to be like a DUI thing in his past and um which maybe would like prejudice some people against him but then somebody had like leaked his court records yeah it's so, like somebody had stolen his records from the courthouse like anonymously photocopied them and mailed them to all these people including worcester blogger jeff barnard among others yeah and like this was such a ridiculous horrible thing to do that like if you look at how he did between the preliminary and the final elections he just like skyrocketed in support between those arguably because people were so pissed at his opponents for trying that kind of scummy tactic so you told me that i had to do that in 15 seconds and you didn't stick to 15 seconds that's why i just said no <laughs> okay. but yeah i mean you know and a lot of people in hindsight and i don't know if this is uh this is bordering on uh conspiracy uh, the realm of conspiracies here but a lot of people indicated after the the election had wrapped up that their thought was that his camp may have been the ones to actually release that paperwork, uh, knowing full well that the response would be uh, very much in his favor. That it right. would look like such a horrible act on on the behalf of his his uh, on his opponents that uh, people would would latch onto him. And uh, we have no proof. Of course, there never is. I mean, it's right. it's a it's a dirty city in terms of politics. So yeah. uh, pretty much anything goes. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if he's won over enough people through his through his uh, uh, through his political work since then that he'll actually get reelected. Yeah, I, I think he's done a very good job of uh, taking you know the the opposing view to many uh, of the issues that the council has come up with a lot especially a lot of public facing issues things like um, our knife ordinance and the, uh, the the hot dog vendors and whatnot I think any any issue that we've spoken about a lot here on the podcast he has taken up as a personal cause and at least questioned the motivation behind doing what we we think is right We've also got Rick Rushton. We don't need to say anything about him. Well-known city councilor. Stephen Buchalter, who we talked a little bit about. Bill McCarthy, who is a uh, beloved by Republicans in the city. Mm -hmm. uh, well, those are the people running at large. In District 1, we have Casello versus Smith. Uh, Joe Casello posting some stuff on Twitter. Kind of yeah. cool. I haven't seen him use Twitter too much lately. A right. uh, former firefighter. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, Mark Trotto versus versus the Palm, versus, uh, Emperor Palpatine in District 2. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea how that's going to play out either. Um, Frank Bashai, Frank Bashai versus Paul Clancy in District Three. I'm just glad someone is running against Paul. Uh, you know, I think it'll be inter again interesting to see how that neighborhood rallies around uh, somebody coming out and saying, "You know, our neighborhood needs work." Uh, and Bashai has run pretty serious campaigns in the past, like for sheriff, right? Uh, I think it was sheriff last time around. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, in District Four, we've got Haller and Ross, and I have to say, um, so you know, Haller has been challenged. You know. Um, the previous two elections by Lynn Simons, and Lynn Simons did worse in the second election against her than her first election against her, challenging. And from people who I've talked to, some people who've worked on the Simons campaign in the past, others, I've gotten, the, I've really gotten this sense in District 4 of people saying, so Barbara Heller may be a fundamentally bad person, or whatever they think, but then in the last couple of years she hasn't done more than a couple of really crazy, outrageous things, and she's still, you know, associated with deadbeats like Billy Bro, but at the end of the day, it's like not worth trying to 
unseat Barbara Haller. And like I said, I'm I'm con connected to the Grace Ross campaign and will presumably be working on the Ross campaign. I just think it's interesting that Barbara Haller, I think, has really won over a lot of her past critics in just Absolutely. her core. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, myself included. I mean, the reality is that if you, if you take any particular issue uh, a, a, as an individual issue, Barbara always seems to come out on the wrong side of that issue, uh, in my opinion. But when it comes to her as a counselor, she actually does seem very responsive uh, and attentive to the very people that oftentimes she is being critical of, you know, in... I think that that says a lot about her as, as a politician, where she's at least willing to listen to and entertain the positions of people that she may, at her core, disagree with, um, but oftentimes, you know, is at, is at least out there being an attentive person, isn't just discounting people due to ideolo ideological differences. Well, we got about a minute left, and uh, school committee, those eight people running, um, do we... Like, school committee is totally off my radar. Yeah. yeah. I think it's off a lot of people's radar. I mean, it's always a very low-key campaign. Um, I, many of the names, the incumbents, we obvious, obviously know. Uh, Tracy, we obviously know. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that as long as the city council is going to, which has its oversight via the, the mayor as the chairperson of the city school committee, um, and as long as the city council is going to take this opinion that it's, it's the city versus the school committee in terms of budgetary issues and, and oversight, I think it's always going to be a group that lives in the shadows, um, and they seem to do just, just that. I don't know that much is going to change during this election cycle. And we're going to have at least one incumbent. We'll have at least one new face on the school committee, if not more. Right. And I mean, it, it, this is probably one of their more important years. I mean, it, one, you've got a, a brand new superintendent uh, and Dr. Boone, who, who is going to be starting up this year, and the financial woes for the, the school department are not going to get any better anytime soon. So whatever we end up with this year through this election cycle is going to make a lasting impression in terms of the, um, the, the school committee or the, the school system over the next few years. That's all the time we have for today. Uh, pieandcoffee.org, pieandcoffee at gmail.com. Thanks for watching 508 people. Take care.